Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 818, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 21, verses 18 to 22. Let's read the passage. Early in the morning, as he was returning to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. At once the fig tree withered. When the disciples saw it, they were amazed and said, How did the fig tree wither so quickly? Jesus answered them, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you tell this mountain be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. And if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew is writing in this gospel, this account of the ministry of Jesus, to give his people that Jesus is the Messiah. We've seen the Galilean ministry, where Jesus spent so much time in Galilee, showing the authority that he had been given by God. Then they began the journey to Jerusalem. Now they're in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, we've seen the triumphant entry. And then the, the cleansing of the temple, where he turned over the tables of the money changers and kicked over the chairs of the people selling doves. It seems that they're staying in Bethany each night and then walking into Jerusalem and back. It's about an hour walk from Jerusalem to Bethany. Let's pick it up. Chapter 21, verse 18. Early in the morning, as he was returning to the city, he was hungry. They've been in Bethany and now leave to walk into Jerusalem. And it's early in the morning, and he's hungry. Verse 19, Seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. At once the fig tree withered. Then verse 20, When the disciples saw it, they were amazed and said, How did the fig tree wither so quickly? This event is divided into two in Mark's gospel, where this didn't happen all while they're standing there. He cursed the fig tree, then when they went by it the next time, it had withered. It still could be that way in Matthew, but Matthew is presented all as a single event. Now, the problem here is Mark includes the statement that it was not yet the season for figs. Now, this is happening at the Passover which would be around the first part of April, maybe even late March. And that's the point in time where the leaves are just starting to come out in fig trees. Now, the fruit starts to come out shortly after the leaves, but then it's green fruit. It can be, but it's kind of a bitter taste, and the fruit's not really fully ripened until June. So the question, why does Jesus curse a fig tree for not bearing fruit when it's not even fruit-bearing season. Well, why does Jesus do anything? He does it with intention. He doesn't just do it because he's mad at the fig tree. He was hungry and there was no fig, so he got mad at the fig tree and kicked the fig tree, basically. No, he does things for a purpose. He's doing it as a lesson. He's basically acting out a parable. He could tell a parable of, one day a man walked by a fig tree. No, this time he's acting out, much like at the triumphant entry where he was acting out Zechariah 9.9. He could have just said, I am the Messiah. But instead he did this very dramatic entrance into the city 
There was no mistaking what he was saying. And here he's acting out a parable, doing it with authority and power. Now, it seems that this fig tree, there was something about it. This is a lone fig tree, and it had leaves. So it's still early even to have leaves. So this one seemed to be actually having leaves early in the season. And the fact that the fruit appears shortly after the leaves appear means it could have had fruit, and it looked like it should have had fruit. Now remember, bearing fruit is often used as a metaphor for doing the will of God. We bear fruit for God, meaning we do what God wants. And the events immediately before and immediately after this all take place at the temple. Jesus had the cleansing of the temple last time, and then he's on his way into town this time, and he's going to go to the temple again and encounter the chief priests and the elders. And their question to him is going to be about his authority. And if we take the metaphor of bearing fruit and apply it to the goings-on at the temple, Judah should be bearing fruit. Judaism should be bearing fruit. But it doesn't seem to be at this point in time, particularly the goings-on at the temple. The leaders of Judaism don't seem to be bearing fruit. It's all about outward appearances. It's like they have leaves, but no fruit. And they're facing judgment, like the tree faced judgment. The tree was judged for looking like it was bearing fruit, but not bearing fruit. And there's going to be judgment on the temple in particular, but Judaism at large, because it looks like it should be bearing fruit, but it's not. So this cursing of the fruitless tree is a parallel about God's judgment on Judaism, specifically the temple. And if we look at some Old Testament passages, section in the prophet Micah, which is talking about Israel's moral decline, Micah 7.1, he says, how sad for me, for I'm like one who, when the summer fruit has been gathered after the gleaning of the grape harvest, finds no grape cluster to eat, no early fig, which I crave. So here, no early fig, which I crave, is an example of the moral decline of Israel. They don't meet God's expectations. The section in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 8, where he's talking about punishment for Judah's leaders. Chapter 8, verse 13, I will gather them and bring them to an end. This is the Lord's declaration. There will be no grapes on the vine, no figs on the fig tree, and even the leaf will wither. Whatever I have given them will be lost to them. So here you see the withering of leaves, a symbolic of God's judgment on the leaders of Judah. Then in a section in Isaiah, we talk about God's judgment on the nations, Isaiah 34, 4. All the stars in the sky will dissolve. The sky will roll up like a scroll, and its stars will all wither, as leaves wither on the vine and the foliage on the fig tree. So we see these examples of desiring early figs, but not having any of them, and trees withering as a symbol of God's judgment. And so this parable he acts out is symbolic of what's going on in Jerusalem, specifically at the temple. The religious leaders, the temple practices are under God's judgment. Now, verse 20, when the disciples saw it, they were amazed and said, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? They're amazed at the miracle. 
and they should be, that is pretty amazing, but they miss the clear teaching of it. What's going on here? Verse 21, Jesus answered them, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you tell this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. And if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. They're on their way into the city of Jerusalem, leaving Bethany, and Bethany is on the slope on the side of the Mount of Olives. So when he says this mountain, it's probably speaking of the Mount of Olives. Now, this is speaking of the power of prayer. Is this a blanket statement? God will do whatever you want. No, there's some key words here. He's speaking of God doing things and prayer being actively used by God in that. But the key words are things like having faith, not doubting, and believe. Too often we want to look at those as the keys that we have to use then to unlock the power of prayer. And so if I can just have the right faith, if I can just not doubt, if I can just make sure I believe, that then God will do what I want. Well, these aren't keys to how to get God to do what you want. They're descriptors of the characteristics of us when God is responding to our prayer. Now, if we are fully trusting God, and that's the way I'd sum up these descriptions, having faith, not doubting and believing, that's trusting God, fully trusting God. And the closer we get to God, the more we fully trust him, actually, we are transformed. So the question is not how do we get God to do what we want, but how are we transformed to be more like him? And the closer we get to him, the more we are changed, and the more our desires change, the more our desires align with God's desires. And so when we pray, we're no longer trying to just get God to do what we want. What we really want is what God wants. And when our desires are aligned with God's desires, well, then yes, he is answering our prayers. And so the question is, how do we get God to do what we want? But how are we transformed to more fully align with God? Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.